If you have your Bibles and you're in 1 John chapter number 3, I want you to hold your place there for just a moment. I love those verses. And I just want to ask you a question. And while the men, if they could get the clock up in the back, I'd appreciate that uh, before the, before the, it'll help me uh, go along real quick here this morning. I wanted to ask you a question. There are three things, they begin with L, that John constantly talks about. Anybody know what those are? Love? Light? And life. Students, you gotta get on, gotta, gotta be thinking this morning. Think about it. Love, light, and life is what John weaves into all of his letters. And here he's talking about love, right? Well, John actually talks about this love, and he talks about how that God loves us and what manner of love he has for us. And we'll talk about that in just a moment, but I want you to maybe think about this a little bit more. Turn over to 1 Thessalonians, if you would, with me, and let's look at the first chapter. Uh, First Thessalonians, the church at Thessalonica, he is, he is, Paul is writing to them and he's basically giving them an understanding that there are three main needs in the Christian life. And he, he, he shows us that in verse number three of First Thessalonians. And, and so if you look at verse number three, someone read that for me if you could nice and loud. First Thessalonians one, verse number three. Okay, so he's talking about a work of faith that begins in you. And so the work of faith is something that we would look at that word as being perhaps uh, uh, something that would be uh, exercising, perhaps, rather than uh, accomplishing something. There is an exercising that you continually do within you. So that work of faith is something that he has a desire for you and for me. That work of faith begins in salvation. Well, that's little faith. And salvation is trusting Jesus Christ for your salvation and not religion. Don't hold on to a religion. When I walk around, I don't say I'm Baptist. I walk around and say I'm a Christian. You don't have to walk around and tell everybody you're a Catholic or everybody you're a Lutheran. Tell them about Jesus Christ. Tell them that Christ has changed your life. Because when we get to that judgment day, it is going to be Jesus Christ, not our religion, that is going to save us. Well, are you going to hold on to your sin? Are you going to be there in the by and by? Will he be holding my sins or will I? That's the question. Do I actually, have I given my sins to Jesus Christ? And he's paid for them on the cross. That work of faith is absolutely essential. And then there is the, the next one is the labor of love. It says that right in your text, if you look at it. So these are things that he's actually bringing out. That work of faith, there's a labor of love, and then there's a patience of hope, right? And the patience of hope is where? In Jesus Christ our Lord. That's our blessed hope. So follow me with this, if you would. That work of faith is in you. As an individual, that's what you work on. God is working on you. God is helping you to self-confront. When you're dealing with people on a day-to-day basis and you're having trouble dealing with them, the problem is not them. The problem is always going to be you. His problem is how are you going to deal with the, with the personalities, with the differences that you have in people when you meet with them. If you're the one frustrated all the time, it is not them. It is you. And the work of faith that God does in us helps us to have the joy and the peace and the long-suffering. We're dealing with the fruit of the Spirit. And so when we're dealing with the work of faith, we're dealing with us. Then there's the labor of love. We're dealing with who? Others. 
The labor of love is dealing with others. And so we're dealing with us. We're dealing with others. Paul is weaving this into all of his letters and helping us understand just like John is always writing about love, light, and life. And so it helps us understand a little bit more of what is expected us in the Christian life. There is that work of faith. There is that labor of love. That labor when someone says, I don't have anybody to help me move. And you say, I'll go. My schedule is not more important than yours. Whether they're rich or whether they're poor, you help them in need. Dear Christian, don't be a respecter of people. Don't think you can only help those that look like you and act like you. Your life will increase much if you start helping people that don't look like you and act like you. It's interesting we think about that labor of love that is needed because we're dealing with others. And then there is the patience of hope. And Brother Daryl, if you could find, just, just shut all the heats off in the building if you could. We don't need them on anymore. If there's furnaces on, turn them all off. But it's interesting that when we're thinking about this patience of hope, that is dealing with Jesus Christ. And so he's showing us the line. Deal with ourselves, dealing with others, and dealing with God. Dealing with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so our patience of hope is in Jesus Christ. These are the, these are the, the needful things. Now, let me just tell you this. That there's a lot of hope that is being removed in our society today. Do you know why? It's because people didn't start with the work of faith. They want hope, but without faith. They want, they want hope, but they, they don't want to have anything to do with labor or love. They want, they want this hope, and they want this wonderful thing. They want the American dream, you know, like perhaps there is some kind of an, a delusional thinking that everything's going to be sweet for you. Life is not really easy at times. And so we need the hope in us and works in us, and God will give us that ability. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. The scripture says that. And so I need to know that there has to be hope, and my hope needs to be placed in the Lord Jesus Christ and the work on the cross. Now turn back over, if you would, with me to 1 John chapter 3. And 1 John chapter 3, it's full of all kinds of knowledge, things that will help us, uh, whatever difficulties we have. And remember that we're dealing most of all with that love this morning and what manner of love he has for us. But I want to talk to you specifically to the believers today. So if, if you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you have come to the place of repentance... If you've come to the place where you've acknowledged that you're a sinner and you can't save yourself, if you've come to that place, that's the beginning. The, the next step is for you to place then your trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. That's the next step. So the first step is to realize I'm a sinner. I can't wash myself. I can't cleanse myself. I can't do anything with these sins. So I need Jesus Christ. I am in need because he is the only one that can cleanse me. His blood was shed to cover and cleanse you of your sin. God used a staining thing to clean you. It's interesting as we think about this that the blood of Christ can cleanse us. Uh, and by the way, that's a continued, continual thing. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I don't care what they say. That particular verse was put out for the Christian. 
You, dear Christian, are going to sin at times. And you are going to either stay in your sin or are you going to come out of it and say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me that I've did this horrible thing. Would you please wash me? You confess with God. You agree with God that this is sin. I need to be cleansed. Would you wash me of that? And as even as a Christian... You sin and you need his cleansing. And so when we're talking about the believer, we're talking about those that have repented and put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ alone, not in religion, but in Christ alone. And if you've not done that, that's the first thing you need to do today when you get home. Go all, get all alone somewhere. Talk to God. He's been drawing you for a long, long time. And some of you maybe perhaps have stiff-arming him and thinking, no, my religion is good enough. No, it's not. Jesus is calling you, like the woman at the well. What an incredible thought, that a woman would go to to a well so no one would see her and meet Jesus there. And what's interesting about the story is she says, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Can I share with you that her well was deeper Oh, the well runs deep in a person. And all of that flowing from the heart into the brain comes from hurts and difficulties that a person has. How deep is your well? Let me share with you that Jesus doesn't need any instruments. He will draw that out of you. And he will put into you your your heart and he'll put peace there and love and joy and contentment. That's what Jesus Christ can do. Maybe you don't have any purpose today. You're wondering why you exist. Come to Jesus. And he will draw out those issues. And he will pour into you a water that you'll never thirst again. And you will draw from that well until you fold your hands on your chest and enter into the presence of God, God will give you that ability to be able to continually be fed within your heart. But as we're thinking about this hope, maybe your hope is deferred. Maybe your heart is sick because of it. I want to share with you, dear believer, that God's word is so powerful and so true. That even in your difficulties, he is there and he will love you and he will see you through it. He will strengthen you. As we think of the message today, and if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, then I'm not necessarily talking to you yet. I'm talking to the believers. Maybe you, too, are someone who has thought about this and how I can have the hope that God will give me. Well, certainly the Bible says it is the patience of hope. And that word patience is the same Greek word for perseverance. And so you understand that your hope in Christ will give you not just the patience, but the perseverance to continue on. To persevere through hard times and difficult times. God will give you the strength to be able to do that, dear Christian. He's on your side. He's with you. And he will never leave you or forsake you. I was thinking about how that sometimes the world has a hope that's so shallow. You go to Quick Trip. The PB station, you see people in there buying lottery tickets. Their hope is that they might win something. Dear Christian, you don't need any of that stuff. You have Jesus Christ with you. You have a treasure within you 
that can't be bought. He will give that to you. Christian life, it seems like in, in reversals sometimes. The Christian is a man who possesses lie in rever, reversion, if you would. It seems like it's backwards. The Christian will give up to get more. He will lower himself to rise. The believer's hope does not produce anxiety. The believer's hope removes anxiety. The Bible says, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and your labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ and the sight of the Father. So I want to help you this morning, give you three things to think about. The first one is the believer's hope in observation. As we look at the text, we're seeing in verse number three, and every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. Every man that hath this hope. So it is a common understanding among us that there is within us a desire to be pure. It is a common thing for us. But it is a hope of being like Jesus Christ, like being like him in the perfect way in our manner and in our our glorious understanding of conquering things, that we could have that kind of character to be like him. Is that a desire that you have, to be like Jesus? Sometimes the Lord allows us to go through sicknesses and difficulties in our finances and all kinds of difficulties and woes because he's desiring to conform us into his image. Oh, to be like thee. Blessed Redeemer, this is my constant longing and prayer. Gladly, I'll forfeit all of earth's treasures, Jesus, thy perfect likeness to wear. Oh, to be like thee. Oh, to be like thee, blessed Redeemer. Pure as thou art, come in thy sweetness, come in thy fullness. Stamp thine own image deep on my heart. And the woman at the well, deep down inside, had some sorrows and some hurts and some difficulties and Jesus stamped his own image in her. That she goes back and tells the village, look what Jesus has done for me. And a transformation among many, but oh to be like thee, full of compassion, loving, forgiving, tender and kind, helping the helpless, cheering the fainting, seeking the wandering sinner to find. This kind of change is based upon divine love. In verse number one, behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God, and therefore the world knows not us because it knew him not. This particular truth I'm giving you right now elevates us into an understanding of family because he is our Father in heaven. And what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon his children. It's pretty powerful if we think about it. God calls us or called the sons of God. God gave me four sons, and one of them is here this morning, and I praise God for that. I came from five children, four boys and one girl, my own family, the Howells. There's nothing like a family spirit. It's... It's wonderful. As long as we glorify God with our lifestyle, it becomes more precious. Family is an incredible thing. 
isn't it? It's the sweetest fellowship this side of heaven, especially if your family's saved and they know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And then we're extending the families to where you have one born-again man who's going to marry a born-again woman, and then they're going to have children, and those two families come together like will happen here April 18th, coming up with Curtis and Elizabeth. And these two wonderful families are going to come together What a glorious thing that is to be able to glorify God with the family unit. This this pleases him because what is done on earth is done in heaven. You think about that? If that's our plea, we have a father in heaven who watches over his children. Sometimes dads don't have a clue, though, you know, about how how to deal with the children. I read about a father. I want to read it to you. A father tired and exhausted from his long day in the office, had little desire to engage with any kind of brain function when he came home, and he got into his chair and put it back a little bit. Not too far from his feet was a little boy struggling with his homework. And here's how the mother handled it. She said, Next year your son's going to be in the sixth grade, so you might as well help him while you can. Just a thought. Some of you didn't think I was going there, but the father was riding his son, riding his son one day, and he's saying, and by the way, the expectations of the father and the expectations of the son, they never communicate that. That's best if the, if the husbands or the dads can communicate to the sons what his expectations are. Because sometimes they're saying, I don't know what you expect of me. And I think the dad sometimes would say to the son, what do you expect of me? But a father was writing his son, not measuring up to expectations. And after a few choice words, the elder said, frankly, I'm just ashamed of you. You still don't have a job. When George Washington was your age, he was working hard as a surveyor of the wilderness. And the boy said, I'm not too Happy with you either, Dad. Because by the time George Washington was your age, he was the president. <laughs> but our, our hope, our hope is, is strengthened within the family unit. And it's interesting as we think about family because it is precious, but we understand according to this verse that God allows us to think about this as far as the family unit. So it rests upon the union of Jesus Christ, and our hope derives and lives out of a family spirit. But resting in him, and you can rest in him, and Colossians chapter 3 says that our life is hid with Christ in God. It's amazing because we're in Christ and then we're in God. We are secure in him. And when a child is secure, they can grow and be strong and be strengthened and be productive And the Lord wants us to be that way. And Colossians 3 verse 4 says, And then when Christ who is our life shall appear, we also shall appear with him in glory. So it rests upon the union that you have with Jesus Christ. it's, It's hope in him alone. And we shall be like him. According to the scriptures here, in verse number 2, it says, Beloved, now we are the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So it is a hope 
of the second coming to seeing him. Revelation chapter 3, verse number 11 says, Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Revelation 22, 7, Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keeps the sayings of the prophecies of the prophecy of this book. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me. Revelation twenty two twelve to give every man according to his works shall be. Revelation twenty two twenty, and he which testifies these things say surely, I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. So when we're thinking about this family unit, thinking about our Father in heaven. Our Father is not going to put us through the tribulation. He is going to remove us. I thought he was going to come on a leap day yesterday. I was prepared. I don't know about you. Now, I would never make a date, right? Say, but when the saints go marching in. What month are we in? Okay, let's just be careful not to set a date, but you know what? He could come today. Are you ready for his coming? Is your heart prepared? Do you know how sweet it's going to be when you see your great-grandma who's been saved and prayed for you? It's going to be a beautiful thing. What a reunion. This family gives us hope, and our hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when hope is actually established, it increases you to be the secure person that God intended for you to be. And so stop putting your hope in things that won't help you. Put your faith and your hope and your love in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and keep doing it. Stay strong in him. As we're thinking about hope this morning and helping us understand a little bit more concerning it, I believe there's, the believer's hope is in operation also. What do I mean by that? You see, we have a living, active hope within us. We have Christ in us. We have been partakers of his nature. So he is in us. The believer's hope does not puff up like the Pharisees. The believer's hope is humble. They think about the wonderful thing that Jesus Christ has done for them in the eyes water. It's not a put your shoulders back and walk around like you're something special. Pride has no place here. As soon as pride moves in, God moves out. So you've got to stay humble. And kind. God desires for us to stay humble and kind. So when we're thinking about this living hope within us, the believer's hope will not lead to loose living. Like the presumption of the antinomians, those that live lawless, those that want to live according to their own plan. Christians will live according to to God's desire and God's plan, and the best they can, they'll, le- they'll live in the laws of the land that God has placed them. The believer's hope shows us the way of gratitude. You find a person that's got this hope in them, they're constantly thankful for things, constantly thanking God for what they have, constantly thanking God for what he's done. The believer's hope is attracted to grace. I love our church sign. Sometimes I just look at it. Grace, Baptist, church. That's who we are. By grace, we've been saved through faith. 
Baptists, we believe that you immerse people after they've been saved. It's pretty simple. I, I'm, not, I'm wondering why not everybody is, isn't Baptist. Don't look at me like I'm weird. <laughs> Our doctrine is absolutely essential that we continue as Baptists. Now, I'm not saying that we need to trust in Baptists. We need to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. But remember that we do immerse people after they're saved. And the word church means assembly, and so that's what we are. We could put out there grace, immersing, assembly. Nobody would understand that. That's why it says Grace Baptist Church. The believer's hope relies on the new nature, not the old nature. The believer's hope rests assured that it's not you that's going to get you out of this jam, but it's going to be Christ. And if you rely upon your old nature with the old ways and the old deceitful things, if you trust in that, that's not going to help you. You need to trust in the new nature, which is renewed in knowledge, after the image of him that created him. So we go back to that understanding of saying, I need to walk in Christ, and I need to rely upon the new nature, not the old nature. The believer's hope longs for that perfect future when we step on streets of gold don't need shoes anymore and I think I might grow two toes who knows I'm missing two toes by the way it's just it's not in my notes but I had to get your attention again so the believer desires to purify himself you're not happy if you sin you're not going to stay in your sin and be content. And not just the sin of the don't do things, but I'm not doing things I should do. So sin is, and we know to do good and don't do it. It's the same as sin. So we've got to be careful. But there's going to be gross sins in a person's life. And you purify yourself from that. You don't want any evil company around you. You don't want to... You don't want to have these secret sins. You don't want to have any neglects. You don't want to have any impulses that are out of control. That's the desire to be pure and to be like Jesus Christ and walk like him and talk like him. And sometimes when you're tempted to be selfish and absorbed with self, you say, Lord, what's wrong with me? I don't usually talk about... Movies too much. I don't really like movies because they're fake. They're Hollywood people that are fake. They're not really who they say they are, but they play these parts. Now, you might think that's weird, but I don't think everything you believe is cool. But I watched a movie the other night where this actor was a Seventh-day Adventist who went into war, and he had principles that he lived by, and he kept them through the whole film. And he was able to save a lot of men. Now, I like war films sometimes, as long as they're true. This was a true story. And I was moved with compassion to see this man on the battlefield looking up toward heaven and saying, what do you expect of me? Have you ever came to that place? Boy, did God answer his prayer. I don't know how many men he saved in the battlefield. He refused to carry a weapon. But boy, he carries something else besides a weapon. Some integrity and some backbone. But what gave him that hope? That hope was the Bible is true. 
And because of his background, he developed an understanding that he was not going to ever pick up a gun. But God used him as a medic. It's interesting as we think about this because there are real-life situations that will help us understand a little bit more of what this hope is. I think that we ought to develop a perfect understanding of what purity really is. Sometimes we base what we do upon what others do, and we say, well, they're doing it. Well, what what does God say? What does his word say? By keeping a tender conscience, admitting faults. This is huge because a lot of people don't want to admit that they're wrong. And maybe you know somebody like that. They will never admit that they're wrong. Now that person lives a really lonely life. That person will actually have issues within their life that they'll actually self-destruct. Because of their conscience. I think that we need to have that beautiful believer's hope. And we can do it by continually keeping our eyes on God's providential hand in our life. And maybe you're here and you're a little older and you've been kind of discouraged because you've recently had difficult things happen to you. Let me just share with you, dear friend, older sister, older brother. God is with you. He is sovereign. And everything's beautiful in his timing. And I would say trust him. And he'll give you that strength again. In closing, there's the believer's hope also in manifestation. Actively, personally, prayerfully, intensely, continually aiming for that purification, looking to God for help. Some defile themselves willfully. Some take things as they are. Some believe they need no purifying. Can you believe that? But most talk about purity, but few strive for it. Let me just share with you in closing. The Bible gives us an understanding about this hope that we are to wear, like a garment. In other words, our hope shows by our passion for purity, desiring to be pure. And by the way, that comes out with your company. I'll be honest with you, as growing up in the 70s and 60s and 80s, you have different music that you've heard through the years. You walk into a store and And you hear those songs again, and it kind of takes you back to a place that you're ashamed of. But it's there, and the music's there, and all you're thinking about. And can I just share with you, dear Christian, if you're listening to that kind of music regularly, you're going to have a hard time. Remember I talk about how that there's a a sorrow that comes from the world, and sometimes the music has nothing but sorrow in it, like country music, you know. There's a beer, there's a tear in my beer, you know. know. I mean, it seems like in order to be a country star, you've got to start whining or something, you know. And and I, I, I don't mind 
some of the old songs, to be honest with you. I'm not trying to be superior than you. Maybe you've got a higher level of understanding of music than I do. But uh, bathing your mind in it day after day after day after day is going to cause you to be sorrowful and discouraged. On the other hand, if you put on the new and listen to music that glorifies God, I remember heading up to the jail up at Oxford. There was a certain CD I got. It's called His Way is Perfect. It came out of Majesty Music from the Wilds, and it was just beautiful. I hope I can find it again. His Way is Perfect. I had a little red car then. Anybody remember the little red car I had? I gave it away, I think, but I turned that music up, man. You know, and most of the time, when little red cars are driven, it's usually a female. So when trucks would pass, they'd slow down and look at me. And I'd go, what's your steering problem? You know, I'd be singing along with these music. When I got to the jail, I walked in there down that long hallway and listened to the clanking of the, of the, chain, of the bars and the doors going closed. I walked into there with the strength of the Almighty God because I was listening and meditating upon that which would glorify him. That's my, the believer's hope. In closing, I... I read these verses. I just want to read them to you. They're out of Jeremiah 2, verses 31 and 32. O generation, see the word of the Lord. Have I been a wilderness unto Israel, a land of darkness? Wherefore, say my people, we are lords. We will come no more unto thee. Can a maid forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. He's counting how many days you have not talked to him. You have forgotten him. Why are you so discouraged? Why is your hope deferred? It can come back just like that. If you come to him, he will give you the strength. In Revelation Puts it this way, Revelation 19.5, And a voice came out of the throne, saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and you shall fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, a voice of a great multitude, a voice as of many waters, and as the voice mighty thunderings, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife had made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. He saith unto me, Write, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he shall say unto me, these are the true sayings of God. And so listen, the believer's hope is in Jesus Christ. And he will keep you until that day. Wouldn't it be a happier time as you endure, as you place your trust in him and stay close to him and be what you should be? Instead of just trying to do it all, he wants you to be instead of do. Be honest with him. Be humble. 
be holy. And he will strengthen you until you see him. And what a day that will be. What a day that will be when you'll see him face to face. It's coming soon, dear friend. I'll tell you what, it was certainly sooner than when I was born, 1961. So I sat on the edge of my bed in 1969 was asking my dad, Jesus is coming soon. And he said, it might be 50 years from now, Dean. My dad's 82 now, and I'm 59. That was 50 years ago. I don't think my dad nailed it as far as maybe he'll come now. I I, I don't know. Because it's up to the Lord when he's going to come. But there sure are a lot of signs that are looking toward the second coming of Jesus Christ. I have some friends of mine Cindy and Eric Linder, and my uncle, Pat and Kyla McCluskey. And if they hear this, they're, they're in Israel right now. They got to see those beautiful places. I thought to myself, what if Jesus came while they're there? Yeah. What a beautiful thing for them, right? Yes. Do you know Jesus Christ is your Savior? Do you have that hope in you, friend? then don't let it be deferred. You don't have to be sad. You can look to God. Remember the story of, of the Christian. He's placed into the dungeon in Pilgrim's Progress, and he's so weary. The giant comes down and takes him up into the courtyard and beats him and puts him back down and locks the door to the dungeon. And one day while the giant was sleeping, Christian was visited by Hope. And Hope said, hey, take the key out of your bosom and unlock the door because the giant's sleeping. And he reaches in. He takes out the key and he opens up the door. And he's able to get back on the highway to heaven because of that key. And you possess that. You have the work of faith. You have the labor of love. And you have the patience of hope within you, dear friend. Let's keep on going for Christ in a way that will glorify him. Amen. Every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. I don't know where you're at spiritually, but God does. I don't know why you chose to come and worship with us today, but God does. He's been leading you. Maybe you're here and you'd say, Pastor Howell, I don't think I have that hope in me. I I don't know if I'm even saved. I've never come to the place where I understand whosoever will. And I've never asked Jesus Christ to save me. I believe in God. I believe in the Bible. But I've never received Jesus. And that's what's missing in my life today. And you'd say, Pastor, would you please pray for me? I need Jesus Christ in my life. And, and I want you to pray. Dear friend, if, if, you, if you lift your hand, I won't point you out, but I'll pray for you. Could you just lift your hand and say, I need Jesus right now. I need him in my life. I've never received him. I would like to receive him. Anyone? With these two men? Any others? I need Jesus. I need him in my life. Anyone else? Just lift up your hand and put it back down again. I, I won't ask anymore. God has been prompting you and leading you. His power is enough and sufficient for you. But maybe, dear Christian, you said, you know, I'm in this 
I'm in the slough of despond. I'm in the pit. It's like I can't get out. Would you please pray for me? Listen, I will pray for those that raised their hand already, and I'll pray for you. I won't point you out, but I'll pray for you. Anybody like that? Please pray for me. I'm saved, but I'm struggling. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you for your honesty. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone? Pray for me, Pastor. I need God. I need His power. I need His hope. With every head bowed and every eye closed, why don't you stand to your feet? No one looking around. Now, this is an old-fashioned altar, and if you want to come and pray, you can do that. God wants to meet you there if you come. Deal with it. Maybe you just need to be recharged, and you want to come. That's what this altar is for. We want to continue to use it for His glory. If you need to come, I'm going to pray. And as soon as I'm done praying, the piano will begin to play. And that's your cue to come if you need to come. Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit would guide and direct in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe right there in the in the pew, you'd say, "Yes, Lord." You have permission to draw deep into my well and cleanse it. I give you permission. Come, He'll come. you to reach in front of you and grab the hymnal if you would turn to 270 i'm going to sing this with you i'm not a very good singer so you got to drown me out number 270 
I want each person to be singing. And if you're one of the fellows that never sings, I, I'd like to have you sing along with us. 270. Sometimes when life seems gentle. Is this the same one that you were just playing? I think it's a 270, I think. Two seventy. I come over there playing, but I want to show you what. <laughs> I think you got a gift there, Pamela. So. Sometimes when life seems gentle. second sing it out Never, how many have never heard that before? Raise your hand. You never sung that before. What a blessing. Go ahead and be seated if you would. Uh, I know uh, uh, 
Ron Hamilton wrote that. It's just the words are excellent. Maybe you'll be singing that all week now, this week. What a blessing. We're going to take up our offering for the building fund. It was supposed to be last week, and we decided that we were going to take care of a family. And by the way, you took care of two months' rent for them. You know, he had a stroke and struggling, and you guys took care of Thank you for giving. And uh, now the, the, the people come before the building. So it's the people before the facilities, and so we're a little bit late on this. But if we want to give toward the building fund, we'll let you do that this morning. We won't stop you from doing that. So, uh, But let's pray. Father, we're so thankful for your love for us. It's just a lesson this morning for all of us to just keep trusting you. And sometimes these days it seems like hope gets all messed up in us, Lord. Help us to persevere with that wonderful hope that you've given to us. Lord, I pray for those that are struggling today that can't make it to church. I pray you strengthen them also. Lord, we desire to move forward with some building, and so we ask that you would continue to provide. I pray that you bless this offering, increase it, so we can move forward in Jesus' name. Amen. stand we'll have a word of prayer we'll be dismissed brother kyle peterson when you want to come up here i appreciate you why don't you close our service with a word of prayer if you would brother and uh keep praying for jeanette throughout the afternoon i, I asked i'm already let us know what's going on um as soon as you find out let us know okay all right when you close heavenly father we thank you for the many blessings that you've stored upon us we thank you for your grace and we thank you for your mercy Father, we ask you that you, as we going out from church this morning, we ask that you keep us strong, keep us going in the holy and righteous way. All these things we ask in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.